just like to take a moment this morning and honor, and the scripture says to give honor where honor is due, and uh, so I'd like to give honor to those men and women that may be in the auditorium this morning who uh, are currently serving or have served uh, in our military. Would you stand this morning? We'd like to honor you this morning. I would ask you, if you would stay standing for a moment this morning, and could we, could we bow our heads in prayer? And before we pray, as we're heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we'd just like to take a moment to thank each person that is standing for your willingness to sacrifice everything for us. You say there's two people that have willingly laid down their life for me. That's a soldier and Jesus. And so we thank you. God, we come before you. Lord, we are humble today. As we look around this auditorium, we see men and women who have fought that we may have the freedom to do exactly what we're doing right now today. Lord, they've also fought for an ideal that would allow people all over the world to have the freedom to worship Jesus and to worship in peace. Lord, as our flag goes, quickly the cross goes. And so we thank you that these men and women have paid a, an amazing sacrifice for us to be here today. Lord, bless all those all over the world who are serving. Lord, we have one of many of our members who are overseas. Lord, I think this morning of, of Steve Benefield. I pray that you would bless him, Lord, as he is on deployment, serving as a chaplain. And I pray that you would bless his family. Bless this time. Bless these men and women. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you give them another hand this morning? I appreciate them. You may be seated. We are, uh, we are blessed to live in America, aren't we? If you have been, had the opportunity and the blessing as I have to travel uh, some, you know that uh, it is a huge blessing of God to be where we're at and to have the freedom to worship just as we already did this morning. I love, uh, thank you Jeff for leading us in worship, great job. Uh, I'm thankful that, uh, that uh, Hallmark has some great uh, men and women who will fill in and step in, and so I would encourage you to continue to pray. As if you were here last Sunday, uh, we had a guest worship leader, uh, Ben Garcia, and uh, we're still uh, praying if this is where God would have him, and so continue to pray in that direction. And, uh, but I'm thankful in this interim time that we have some qualified men and women who are willing to lead us uh, in worship. I'm going to encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 2. All right, Acts chapter 2. We have uh, at the close of our service this morning, six babies that are going to be uh, dedicated, and so it is my goal and purpose to be shorter this morning than normal. You can define what shorter than normal is, all right, so uh, on your own. But uh, we are in this uh, series, 2020 Vision. We've been trying to 
uh, really focus in on what God would have us be and do as a church. Again, we've talked a lot about the history of our church, and I'm thankful uh, to be a part of a church that uh, has always been known, as Barbara Wim uh, reminded us today, of a missions-minded church. And uh, well, I want to say thank you uh, to Barbara. I know she doesn't want me to, to recognize her, but um, she has faithfully served the Lord uh, in Mexico. And here she continues, as she mentioned, to uh, help fund those churches in Mexico. Uh, she showed up yesterday morning. We had a, a day of evangelism yesterday. We went door to door in her neighborhood. She led one of the teams, and uh, she's a great servant of the Lord, and I'm thankful, I'm thankful for her. And uh, didn't she do a great job welcoming you today? Yeah, thank you, Barbara. She'll be mad at me for pointing her out, but I can deal with it, so that's all right. But we, uh, we've been making this statement the last few weeks. We believe a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment will glorify our great God. And so let's continue to, to remind ourselves that the goal here is not to build a great church, okay? And that may sound weird for a preacher to say that, but the goal is to glorify our great God. And as we glorify our great God, guess what he will do? He will build a great church. And so that's, that's what we're after. We're after uh, glorifying God. We want to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples, right? And so, I, I don't know, the question comes to my mind is, are you a real disciple if you have not replicated yourself? Are you a disciple who makes disciples? I think that if we're really going to understand the definition of disciple, and, and we've gone over this, right? The definition of disciple, we stole this from uh, Tony Evans, is we are going to be a visible verbal follower of Jesus. And, and the truth is, in the church today, there's too many uh, silent Christians. There's too many of us who don't share our faith for whatever reason, for fear. Uh, there's going to be a thousand reasons. We're just too busy. We're not focused. We don't care. We're apathetic. Or maybe we really aren't a disciple of Jesus. If I'm not reproducing myself or replicating myself in other people, then maybe I need to really evaluate, am I a true follower of Jesus? I want to be a visible, verbal follower of Jesus. Last week, so we, uh, again, we've given this, this, this definition or this purpose statement. We exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. And so there's three words that are on the top of your outline there this morning that I think are going to help us focus on that mission. And that's three, these three words, uh, reach, relate, and replicate. Last week, we talked about the first word, right, reach. And we took the time last week to celebrate the Reformation. You know, October 31st was 500 years from Martin Luther uh, nailing his 95, what we now know as the 95 Thesis on the doors there in Wittenberg. And the five, what we went over last week, the five solas, right? So Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. And then also, uh, what is the last one? I can't remember. I'm at, what am I at for? For the glory of God alone. And so on, I don't think it's in your bullets to be on the screen. We, we wrapped it up into one statement. And I'm glad it's on the screen because I forgot it. All right, salvation is, okay, by grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, received through faith alone, so that all things lead ultimately to the glory of God alone, with Scripture alone as the final authority. 
right? And so that's what we spent our time in. We, we wrapped it up last week with a simple um, statement. The gospel came to you on the way to someone else. The gospel came to you on the way to someone else. And so it, it's kind of this evaluation for each of us. If we've given our life to Jesus Christ, somehow, some way, God used someone to bring the gospel to us. And the goal for us, once we receive the gospel, is now to what? To, to replicate that in someone else's life. The, the gospel oftentimes is stopped with us. And that's not the way God intended it to. So today, again, we exist to glorify God. We're making disciples who make disciples. Last week, reach. This week, relate. All right, so what does it mean to relate? Let's kind of give a simple definition that we can all understand. I think it's on your bulletin as well. Relate means to make a connection between, all right? To make a connection. So Acts chapter 2, some of you are there. We're going to get there. Let me give you some background, a little bit, uh, history on Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 1, of course, if you know, Acts was written by Luke. So Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Acts is kind of the follow-up letter to Theophilus, uh, really the second letter after the book of Luke. And I'm going to read a short statement that kind of encapsulates the book of Acts and, and, and Luke writing. It says, The Gospel of Luke records what Jesus began both to do and to teach. Right? So the Gospel of Luke uh, gives us the account of Jesus and his ministry here on earth. And it goes on to say, The book of Acts tells us Jesus continued to do and teach through his spiritual body. All right, so in Acts chapter 1, the very early, in the very first part of the chapter, the picture, the scene that's set there is Jesus Christ. He's died. He's been buried. He's come back to life. He spent 40 days on the earth letting everyone know, I am alive. It changed everything, right? So if Jesus is still in the tomb, there's no reason for you to be here today. If Jesus is still in the tomb, there's no reason for me to stand up here and preach, right? Our faith is based on the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, and it changed everything. And so after the resurrection, here in Acts chapter 1, we're going to see what's known as the ascension, or Jesus ascends back to heaven to the Father. And as he is about to ascend, he tells the, the apostles there and the, really the 120 early believers, stay in Jerusalem and wait. And they're supposed to wait for a specific event. They're supposed to wait until they receive the power of God in their life. That's recorded in the first part of Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 1, they are in Jerusalem, the 120 believers, they're waiting, they're praying. And Jesus said, after you receive the power, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'll read it for you, it'll also be on the screen this morning. But if you're in Acts chapter 2, you could probably just look across the page, right? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so, again, as we've been walking through Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, we see here what Jesus said before he ascends to the Father, wait in Jerusalem, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, then you will be my witnesses. So we understand if that was what he told them to do for us today as believers at the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, 
what do you, what's the gift that you receive? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, now, just as the disciples and the 120 early believers were commissioned, go make disciples, because now you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same goes for us as believers. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit as believers to be witnesses. So they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter jumps up into the crowd and he begins to preach. All right, And that's where we're going to pick up at the end of his message in verse number 40 of Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, that sounds like a preacher, right? With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 were added to them. Wouldn't you love to be a part of that service? 3,000 people gave their life to Christ, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread in prayers. Verse 33, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44, now all who believed were together, had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, listen to that, verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread and from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so let's, look, let's walk through this. You have your uh, bullets in there. There's a quick outline. I'm going to walk it through this morning and hopefully get you out earlier as I promised, or be done earlier as I promised. Number one, relate to God through his word. All right, so we want you to connect or to relate with God through his word. And the truth is, the only way you can truly relate to God is first to relate to him through his word. Uh, Paul said it this way to Timothy, and uh, this is in 2 Timothy 3, verse 17. He says, in that from childhood... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in the message, we don't have time to to go through this this morning, but if you look in Acts chapter 1, there are two different times Peter quotes from the Old Testament. First, he quotes from Joel, and he says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Later in his message, he, pre- he uh, quotes from Psalms and quoting David. And so what Peter, what we understand as we read through this is that we, as believers, how do we know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him? It's the Word of God. Are you thankful for the Word of God? It's, it amazes to me when you study history, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm no historian, but when you study history, the Bible has been attacked more than any other piece of literature all throughout history. And, and who do you suppose is attacking God's Word? It's, it's Satan himself, right? The enemy of God. And, and one of the most powerful testimonies of God's word is the fact that we still have it. I, any other piece of literature, if it had been attacked that many times by that many different uh, powers, 
it wouldn't be here. But God preserved his word so that we can relate to him, so that we can connect to God. And as a church, we want to connect people to God. And how's the best way to do that? Through preaching of the word of God. Paul told Timothy, the scriptures made you wise to salvation. And so as a church and as your pastor, if I fail and begin to not preach the word, what should you do? Fire me. That's exactly right. I'm not going to ask for an amen on that, all right? You should fire me. That's true. If this church fails to proclaim God's word, then really we've ceased to be a church. We want to connect, we want to relate people to God through his word. Preach the word. Number two, relate to, I didn't know I was going to get fired today, but number two, relate to others through his church. Relate to others through his church. Several times in the first part of Acts, you're going to see often and many times they met together in unity, they were in one accord, and they were in prayer. Daily they prayed. And let me read this statement. The 3,000 new converts, so we just read here that 3,000 people got saved. It says they needed instruction in the word and fellowship with God's people if they were to grow and become effective witnesses. The early church did more than make converts. They also made disciples. They did more than make converts. They made disciples. And, and Maybe you haven't got connected into a group. So every Sunday morning at 9.30, we have groups that meet all over this building, all over the gym. And, and let me just say, we have from nursery all the way through whatever the oldest class is, right? We have amazing people who invest in your kids, maybe your parents, and they teach the Word of God. We, trust me, if you want to grow in your faith, meeting in here one hour a week is not going to cut it. Hearing me speak for 30 to 45 minutes, one Sunday, one hour, every other week, three times a month, it's not enough. Not only that, it's very hard to connect in this room. Right, So every Tuesday, our staff gets together, and we try to figure out who was here and who wasn't here. And you know how hard that is? Uh, we're going to start hiding cameras around and take pictures of you just so we can connect. But <laughs> it, it's kind of fun to sit around the table and try to guess who people are. And then, you know one of the greatest tools for us to figure out who you are sitting out here this morning? Facebook. We find all of you guys on Facebook. All right, so we're like, I think their name is this, and we start, and then, oh, well, they're friends with this person, and I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but let me encourage you. you if you're not connected with other believers, you're going to struggle to connect to God. God never intended our faith to be lived out in isolation. Our faith is to be lived out in community. And so I would encourage you to get 
plugged in, get connected into one of the groups that meet at 9.30 every Sunday morning. Okay, if you don't know where to go, come ask me. Go to our website. It's got the room numbers. It's got like this base age where you can kind of guess where you want to go, right? But try them all out. Figure out where you want to land. Okay, because let me read some scripture for you. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. In other words, believers interacting with believers helps us grow in our faith. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm? Though one be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So let me say it again. If you come in here every Sunday morning and you haven't connected into a Sunday school class or connect group, whatever you want to call it, they meet at 930, next week, make a decision, you're going to be at one of those. I promise you're going to hear a great Bible lesson. And, and here, if you have kids, I'm going to get on a soapbox here for a minute, okay? If you have kids and you don't have them in Sunday school, you're missing out big time. It amazes me, and, and I'm just as guilty as some of you in here this morning, how much time we, in, I mean, if they miss a practice, we're like freaking out. Right? We will do everything we can to get them to the 10th practice of the week, right? Right? And we're, we are no way as a culture, we are no way as worried about them getting to a Sunday school as we are to practice. And that shouldn't be that way. And what's great about the church here is that when they go into their first grade, uh, you know, Sunday school class, they're going to hear this morning, they were going to hear Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission. And if they were in Jim and Gwen's class, I think last week she said they ranged from 50 to 98, or 55 to 98 is what she said. Guess what their class learned this morning? Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the Great Commission. So when you drop your kids off at Sunday school and then you go to Sunday school, right? When you're on your way home, guess what? You can talk about what they learned. And if you're, not, if you're not doing that, you're missing out. And you're also, I'm going to say this pretty boldly, you're, you're failing your kid. And I'll say it again. You're failing your kid if you're missing an opportunity to get them into God's Word. As a culture... We are so much more worried about them being at practice and being the best, right? But we're no near, not nearly as focused or even care that they're here every Sunday morning. You are not going to grow in your faith like God wants you to grow in your faith unless you're involved in a group, unless it's interaction with other believers, and you may think you don't need it, but I'm telling you this morning as your pastor, I need it, and you need it. Number three, 
So we're going to relate to God through his word. We're going to relate to others through his church. That's what we're here for. I'll throw this out too. We meet every Wednesday night at 6.30, and we preach the word, and we have time to fellowship. Okay? So maybe you can't be here at 9.30. We'll show up at 6.30 on Wednesday. I'm just stepping all over you guys this morning. Number three, relate to the lost through our example. So the early church here got something right. What they did so well was that they connected to God through Scripture. They connected to each other through the church. That a result of them doing church right, living out their faith the way God intended it to be lived out. God said, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus also said in John in thirteen thirty-five, By this will all know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. And so the early church did this so well. They loved one another well. They served one another well. They worshiped together well, frequently. It was important. It was a value. They met and they met and they met and they prayed and they were in unity. And what people saw was life-changing. Look at verse number 47 in our text. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 praising God and having favor with all people. So there's just like this really short synopsis of what was taking place. Look at on the screen here. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people. When people saw the way they lived, when people saw the way they loved each other, when people saw how they worshiped their God, when people saw life change in their life, Guess what it led them to do? They wanted the same life change. And because of their testimony, because of their example, the rest of that says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this is, you know, we've had some self-evaluation. How about as a church? When people look from the outside in, for instance, this morning, maybe when they walked in, what, did they see us praising the Lord? Our praise of God, who is worthy of all praise, correct, will draw people to himself. But what about throughout the week? Do people look at, at the way you love others, and because of the way you love others, they want to know Jesus? Which again goes back to this definition, right? We want to be visible, verbal followers of Jesus. The last part on your outline, I'm going to have to give it or some of you will be freaking out all week if I don't fill in your blank. The church was unified. The church was magnified. And the church was multiplied. One more quote this morning, and I want you to wrestle with this. This one, uh, I, I most remember it as Billy Graham quoting this right before, um, I think it was in 1990, uh, maybe not that long ago, I don't remember, 1991, somewhere in there, when DC Talk, anybody know who DC Talk is, right? Right, they came out with a song, uh, Jesus Freak. How many of you know Jesus Freak? Raise your hand, all right. 
you know, talking about the guy's belly, shaking around like a bowl full of jelly. You guys remember that? How many of you know that, all right? So, anyways, he, they were referencing Jerry Falwell, if you don't know that. Anyways, before they sang this song, every time you listen to it, it would be Billy Graham's voice, and he would be quoting Brenham Manning. And this is what he said. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So we have, most of us probably this morning, have verbally praised the Lord. What about when we walk out these doors? What about the priority we've placed on our attendance to this place? Three questions at the bottom of your outline. We want to be visible, verbal followers of Jesus. And and three questions. Are you connected to God? Are you connected to his church? And are you connecting the lost to him? Are you connected to God? Are you connected to his church? And are you connecting the lost to him? Let me encourage you this morning. If you're not in a group of some kind, some Sunday school group, let me encourage you to start the habit. Connect with other believers, connect with God through his word, and connect the lost to him. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment this morning. I know we have uh, several that are going to be dedicating their children, so if you want to go get them now, you can do that. We're going to prepare for a time of worship. But this morning, I I just want to ask real quickly. Who in here this morning would say, you know, John, God has challenged me today. That I need to be more proactive in connecting with God through his word. Connecting to others through his church and connecting the lost to him. Any one of those three, maybe you're like me, it's all three, all the above, right? If that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up all, all over, a lot of us. You can put your hands down. And I would, I would encourage you this morning, in a moment we're going to stand, we're going to have a time of worship. And, and like I said, maybe it's two of the three, maybe it's one of the three, maybe it's all three. I, could, I, could I encourage you this morning that in a moment we stand and we begin to worship, that you would, you would come forward this morning, that you would make a commitment to the Lord. I'm going to connect to God through his word. I'm going to try harder to connect, connect to, to God through his church, to others, and, and, and be a faithful and, and plug my kids into Sunday school and, and plug myself into Sunday school. Or, or maybe it's the connecting lost people to God. I would, I would ask you in a moment we stand to come forward and just pr- spend a time of prayer seeking the Lord. This morning, if, if you don't know what it means to be connected to God, 
Bible says that our sins have separated us from a holy, righteous God, and so we are not connected to our Creator. All have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, and everyone's punishment for their sin is death. Separation from God for eternity. The Bible says that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty of your sin debt, so that you could be connected to God. And we learn that through His Scriptures. So maybe this morning you would say, John, I've never been connected to God. I've never been connected through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So would there be anyone in here this morning that would have the courage to say, by raising your hand, John, I've never connected to God through Jesus, and I want to do that today. Would you put your hand up this morning? Just put your hand up right now. Just leave it up for a moment. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. Anyone this morning like that? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? What I want you to do in a moment, again, we're going to stand. There's going to be people standing here at the front. They're going to be facing you. If you'd like to connect with God today, then just walk up and shake their hand. Ask them how you can connect with God. Again, in a moment, we're going to stand. If you'd just like to connect with God on your own, you're welcome to come forward and pray this morning. Connect with Him at the altar. Would you stand with me this morning as I pray? God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the privilege it is and the blessing it is to be in your house to worship with the freedom. We thank you again for our veterans who've been willing to sacrifice for us. We thank you for Jesus who also was willing to sacrifice his life for us so that we could connect to you. Lord, we turn these few minutes over to you if you've spoken into our hearts. May we move. May we commit. May we surrender. Lord, it is in your name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's spoken to you, I'd invite you to